0: Five Days at Memorial is the story of a hospital during the 2005 Hurricane Katrina disaster in New Orleans. It's based on the 2013 book by Sherry Frank, and the first three episodes are out and streaming on Apple. That's what we're reviewing. Welcome to today's episode. First thing we see in this episode is that it's based on true events and i do like those shows for the most part chernobyl unbelievable band of brothers mm-hmm. dope sick all yeah. dope super... sick i i think i feel like that's what you're going to relate it to am i wrong uh well see dope sick took place over like 10 years or more mm-hmm. and this takes place over five days or technically i guess a few weeks if you want to include the after interrogation that we're seeing sort of at the beginning and end of the episode right yeah so like there is a difference and i feel like it benefits Dope Sick that it's able to kind of pick and choose where it wants to tell its story with this it feels like sometimes when the drags happen when there's in-betweens of the terrible tragedies that are occurring like that can be the most boring time in the show that can be the most boring yeah yeah it can slow down really hard but then also I wanted to point out that I don't necessarily always like true event stories Mm -hmm. 42 the imitation game Steve Jobs documentary I hate it when I feel like the entertainment is coming at expense of an accurate portrayal of history. When they ham it up, mm-hmm. when they add extra drama, when, like, the real stories themselves are so great. And dramatic enough. <laughs> yes, by themselves that they don't need to manufacture events or simplify them. For this, it's not as much a of concern of, like, making things up because it is based on a book. Right. But I think that they're trying to fit in, like, too many people in their stories and when they only have, like, five episodes? Is uh, that true? Well, they're going to have
1: eight episodes. Okay,
0: so see, that was the confusing thing because each one is labeled. Day one, day two, day three, and it says five days at Memorial. So part of me was like, are they really only going to do five episodes?
1: Well, the first five episodes are supposed to just kind of be about what happened in the hospital, and then the last three, kind of the timeline changes, and it's about the effects of what happened. Yeah,
0: and they've already hinted at that, because like every interview is around September 11th, which is 13 days after the incident, and it's talking about how 45 people have died in this hospital over the course of those five days, and we've only ever seen in these first three episodes one person died yeah i mean it's got to be a lot happening in the next two episodes from what i'm gauging from what you're saying in order to make that quota at the same time uh, I should just get into the actual plot because we got three episodes to cover. Yeah. All right, so first thing we get is these striking visuals of what happened: the flood, the submerged houses, the cars, the lines, the uh, flags underwater, um, abandoned hospitals, uh, abandoned everything yeah. really. And I think they've actually implemented like actual footage from the event mixed with some of their own because it goes from four by four camera footage to uh, widescreen back and forth and they use it jarringly kind of as juxtaposition with what's going on in the actual hospital during any given time.
1: From what I understand, the crew took like thousands upon thousands of hours just trying to find
0: actual footage that they could use. They found enough. Almost too much at certain points. Um, but yeah, so then we get transported after we learn about these 45 deaths and they're being questioned. The hospital administration is being questioned as asked how this possibly could have happened right and then we are brought back to day one where no one knows anything it just feels like it's a normal day but there's thunder and some people are like yeah there's a hurricane we should be aware of right and we meet the whole cast there's dr anna there's uh, the incident commander susan who's like all right we're gonna hunker down we've got all these citizens coming in to hang out there's 2,000 people here 200 of them are patients we've got our staff and the doctors and we just got to make sure things are good there's also a ton of dogs because people <laughs> brought their pets in to keep them safe. Yeah, right. So we meet Dr. King and Dr. Ewing, who has a gun. We meet Diane. So there's this other hospital on top of the Memorial Hospital that they exist in the same building, but they don't really coordinate with so each other. So they're two yes, separate hospitals. and that one at the very top is called Life Care. Right. And they are run by a completely different organization Is that like it might a, be
1: faith based. Are, are those like for the more like morbid situations? No,
0: it's actually I think the more expensive of the two. And it's more like an assisted living slash hospice uh, conditions. And then some of them like Emmett, I think he's uh, diabetic or something. And he seems like he's going to be released after a couple days. Um, I'm not exactly clear what life care, like what their situation is. I just know they have a bigger budget and they're not run by the same parent company as, um, the, the bottom the Memorial hospital. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we get a quick rundown of the doctors and patients and stuff. And then like everyone doesn't feel the impending doom that I do, you know? Right. And that's really good. So the first 20 minutes, it's like the Titanic where you know what's going to happen right. and but they just seem like they're they're listening to random music and they're just having fun they're like okay well this is just another day but the rain is just pounding on the windows in the background and it's so dark out there and you can tell the storm is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and then the first sign of real trouble is when the rain starts coming in through the seventh floor ceiling which is in the life care unit Mm -hmm. and so they call down and they're like what the hell is this and uh then that's when susan who again is the incident commander she decides okay well this might be a bigger deal than normal and she goes to the emergency manual and realizes there's no a plan in case they have to evacuate because of a flood which seems like a huge oversight which they kind yeah. of mention constantly and so she goes to the guy who's in charge of sort of keeping the flood at bay he's kind of like the utility guy he manages the people who are downstairs making sure that the water is like back behind the doors and yeah. stuff and he says once it reaches four feet our generators are downstairs and that means that like everything the whole power is going to go out ac life support everything yeah. so that's real issue, and then like the whole entire hospital starts shaking, especially the part. There's this bridge that connects two buildings, and that part like gets super unstable, and all the house, all the hospital doctors have to run across it before it starts to collapse. Uh, yeah, it sounds very
1: intense. Oh yeah, no, I read about
0: this part. Yeah, 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 and so they have this like walkway bridge thing that's just like shaking like crazy, and then they pull some people in, and then at the very end of the episode, um, the the whole like everything goes black. Right. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no, did the power just go out? And, uh, and and we just don't know what happened. So it's very Michael Bay almost by the end of the episode. also reminds
1: me of Chernobyl, I think the end of episode three, yeah. where it's like they're about to go into the tunnel. And then when they do it, just like it turns
0: black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then in episode two, I'm wondering, where does the storm go from here? Right. Right. No, everything's fine. Wait, what? Everything's fine by episode two, because it's the next morning. The storm has cleared. Uh, even the waters receding a little bit. Uh, the the generators were not taken out. Yes, some windows were broken and people got worried and panicked. But overall, there wasn't the apocalypse that people had been told that the Category Five uh, storm mm. or hurricane might happen. And so people were feeling a little bit embarrassed. So it, an, it like they had hit overreacted. Right. Well, no, the storm had hit, and it had even taken out the AC because that's the city's AC, like the the generators that supply that. So everybody is super hot in the hospital, but they're also doing like a victory lap. Like, oh, we survived. This is going to be such a bonding experience later. And then we, as the audience, see the levee break. And as the levee breaks, that's like all the water that like 15 feet of water, if not more, just comes crashing, overflowing into the town and just immediately overwhelms all these houses. But again, the hospital is for, further enough in the city. where it's not going to feel the immediate effects of that. So we know what just happened, and it just looked apocalyptic. Have you seen the picture of Poseidon, that movie that came out in, like, 2008? That's what it looked like when it first crashed over. And so that's basically what is coming for them, (laughs) but just not in the speed. Because what's happening at the hospital is that they're expecting the water to recede from two feet, just lower and lower as they pump the water out from the city, right? Mm -hmm. And so people are getting a little bored. They're uncomfortable. They're nervous. And they start spreading these really dumb rumors uh, because they're growing paranoid and they're listening to the news and the news is trying to sensationalize stuff. And so basically it starts with this idea that this nurse goes outside and she comes back inside and the security guard warns her. like, there's these kids that are hanging around and they were just looking at a nurse. And so just be careful, you know? And that turns into a nurse was accosted. That turns into a nurse was raped. Wow. That turns into a nurse was attacked and raped. And the, the main administrator, Lady Susan, again, she's she's really, like, upset because she can't confirm this, and she knows that it's probably a lie. So they're dealing with just plain misinformation when they should be trying to get things right, back yeah. into working order at the hospital. And then at the same time, people are starting to get afraid that they're going to be forcibly discharged mm. because they don't have enough room and supplies to just keep keep people there forever, right? And yeah. because the water's supposed to be going away, they're like, yeah, why not? I
1: people mean when they say that it was like a harrowing experience i think that the creators really did try to keep the sherry finks kind of like detailed analysis of what happened in the book mm-hmm. i know that she spoke to like 500 people and it took like six years for her to even make this book so it didn't surprise me about what you were saying earlier yeah with the she shows up at the very
0: end of the episode when they're talking about how they do production right. and she's talking about how great they outlaid the house hospital almost exactly how it was yeah right But by the end of the second episode, they do figure out that this 15-foot flood is coming their way. And so... That is when they hit it into another gear. In the third episode, they warn everybody, don't drink from the tap water. It's foul. Uh-huh. So basically, they're restricted to whatever water bottles they have. They don't have any AC, and they're going to run out of that stuff eventually. But at the same time, they need to evacuate. And yeah. they don't have a plan to evacuate because of the manual not having anything. So they kind of are like, well, does the helicopter pad still work upstairs? The Pope had used it once so like where the 15 years ago. The play. Okay, yeah. So they go upstairs, and I'm just expecting it to be at the top of the hospital. Mm-hmm. No it's like a good 100 feet above that with like really rickety old stairs that they have to and there's no way that they can get these people in like uh, critical care up there right they they manage to get a neonatal baby up there which is in like a full cradled harnessed, like completely chambered off uh, unit and so they have to like pull that thing all the way up and then like one of the nurses goes off with a baby and even that is almost impossible so they get one baby out of there then they get 20 patients out with a truck that just happens With to, a truck? Yeah, it's like a National Guard truck. And they were supposed to get 35 patients out, but instead they only got 20. And then after that, the water rises so far that no more trucks can come in. Right. So they're, again, trapped. And all these firefighters... There's a side story about this guy named Mark, whose mom is at the hospital. She's, like, sick or something. And he's trying to get to her, but at the same time help people. So him and his wife, who's, like, an ex-paramedic or something, have joined up with the firefighting crew. But to show that there was like no coordination going on at the time. The firefighters are kind of just hanging back and doing nothing because they don't know where to go. Yeah. So at the end of the episode, they finally jump in the fire truck and like people are just going where they feel like they're, they they're needed. Right. (sighs) Yeah. And at the same time, the parent company to the hospital, which the hospital is reaching out to for some form of help, which is based in Dallas and just seems concerned about their profits and how it's good for business to have tragedy. Right. They don't want to help try to pull in helicopters for them to get patients out. They basically just say you're on your own, except for one dude named like Michael or something, and so he's helping out. And by the end of the episode, uh, we get the first death that happens and uh and, and and we're basically in this kind of doom scenario because the power has gone out and the flooding has finally overwhelmed the generators and these people are stuck so, so it you know ends
1: it ends really when all bleak. hell is breaking it's loose. yeah i yes. mean i've heard that the whole entire series
0: is yeah and so i've what i've done here is i've ignored all the personal relationship stuff which takes up about a third of all the material mm-hmm. so the people in general who we're dealing with i've mentioned susan i've mentioned anna but i haven't really talked about their personal lives at all because that's a part of the story I don't really care about too much because it not because like personal lives don't matter and especially in a tragedy like this where they're probably based on real stuff but they do it in such a formulaic way it feels like they were just spreading themselves too thin almost copycatting each person's storyline for instance there's Angela and she's taking care of her mom in the hospital you have Mark feeling bad for his mom in the hospital Susan her mom's in the hospital for some reason. Mm. The, the the person in charge of the hospital. Do, do they ever mom say why? No, she's just hanging out and kind of giving her back rubs whenever she's breaking down because Susan breaks down a lot when she's not actually in charge of stuff. But other than that, she does a great job. Emmett is concerned about his wife. Anna has a whole storyline with her partner Vince who comes in and that just feels like a complete trail off and, and doesn't add anything to the storyline.
1: I do know that John Ridley and Carlton Hughes, they are the people who created this show and got it developed for TV. They made a conscious decision to not actually speak to people who were like in Hurricane Katrina or speak to like the actual Anna Poo or Susan Muldrick or anybody like that. They they, they just took Sherry Fink's book and then they tried to take the events from that. And they that. adapted it and that's right. perfectly
0: fine. And it achieves, like its biggest pro is that it achieves its ultimate goal, which is it's honoring the victims of Katrina while not glossy over the fear and tragedy of the moment. Mm-hmm. So that is it, the show at its best. And that's why I give the first episode an eight, the third episode an eight, But despite all that gruesome destruction that's going on, the writing becomes incredibly sappy.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. During the breaks.
0: Yeah. Between the catastrophic moments, like I've been pointing out, right? Particularly in day two. And that's why I have to give day two, the second episode, a six. Because it just bored me. The, the repetitiveness of the storylines. It felt like I was watching a network medical drama whenever they decided to just talk about like people having phone calls and being like, are you okay? That lasted way too long. And I don't understand. There's so much that's going on in this hospital that you kind of want to hear about. And they decided to spread it with all these different characters when they really only needed to focus on several of them. And I think they could have done a lot more with it. Well, the I, show thrives. I just want to continue yeah, on yeah, the yeah. pros though. The, the show thrives in its intensity. The apocalyptic mode Like when it when it amps things up, it and it feels like it's considerably under pressure. You've got the violence of the storm in the first episode, the levee breaking, like I mentioned, the rush to get the helicopter to the helicopter in time, Mm -hmm. because once they bring up that neonatal baby, which takes forever because they have to bring it all the way up those stairs sure, and stuff. Yeah. And they're not even sure if the helicopter pad is stable enough because it's rusty and it, like it could collapse at any time. I know that helicopter the... people didn't even know that.
1: Yeah, the crew like built a heli- helipad uh, r- replica. Yeah, but it scene. was like
0: motion capture. So it actually was only like 10 feet off the ground. But when they shot it, it made it look like it was 200 feet off the ground. <laughs> so it was amazing. Like the production value behind this is no joke. Like visually speaking, it's they've got a 4 million gallon water tank um if, that they made in Ontario to to show the flood and then they also had like a set studio of a hundred thousand square feet that was engineered to like shake and stuff mm-hmm. so that they could actually do that at the hospital they explained that at the end of the episode that's how I know that stuff John Ridley he directed the first episode and wrote all three
1: episodes he's produced films like 12 years a slave he's also done the uh tv series American Crime in fact this was supposed to be the third season for American Crime but then they just decided to make it a separate series entirely okay uh, and so he's He's done a lot of like realistic type TV shows and movies. Carlton Cuse, he has, he directed the second and third episode, but he's done a ton of things, but they've all been like science fiction. For example, he wrote for Lost, Bates Motel, The Strain. Bates Motel. So it yeah. had Vera, Pharma,
0: whatever. Yeah, exactly. As well. Right.
1: And he also wrote for Lock and Key. So you kind of have this writer who's ran a lot of horror and sci-fi
0: compared with someone who's actually done a lot of, like, if You're films. saying a merge of genres because this is such a traumatic thing. It right. can mix in without being a dead giveaway. But you said the first episode, the first guy directed, right? Yes. And that was the most, like, science fiction of the three. So it's funny how... Yeah, they bring in the science fiction writer to do the second and third episode when those ones are more based in, like, a reality. Yeah. Well, the first one was, like, a storm event. Um, The only other thing I want to point out is that the cliffhangers that they do are a little cheesy. You have every interview ending with the doctor basically saying, you won't believe what happens next, or that's when things really got bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And one doctor who is not surprisingly, like, absent from all of it is our main character, Anna Poe, right? She has obviously done something because in the future, they keep on asking about what happened to her, why, or was she acting strangely? So clearly she's going to pull some move that causes distress or an issue to accrue, but we don't know what that is yet. You've rated all the episodes, but what would you rate the series overall? I'll reiterate that, like, the production's good, the visuals are good, the acting is good, the overall story is good. Um, It's just the moments that they decided to spend too much time on, and there's just a lot of those, you know? So after a while, it accumulates. I'll continue to watch the rest of the show, but like, I don't see it raising above an eight to me. I think that, like, some episodes will be lower, but the highest it's gonna to get to is an eight.
1: The reviews have been pretty good. It's gotten an eight point two on IMDb, 84% on Ron Tomatoes for the critic score, 91% for the audience score. The consensus said that it was unflinching to the point of punishing.
0: Yeah, there are certain points where it does become over it's overdoing the splicing. I know that
1: uh, the creators were saying how they didn't want to shoehorn in a villain, which sometimes happens with these type of TV shows. But they were like, you know what? The the event is like scary enough. We just kind of want to focus
0: on that. Oh, I did write something about that. So the villain of the first episode is the storm and the hurricane. The villain of the second episode is the AC. The rumors and the misinformation. The episode, the villain of the third episode is the parent company of the hospital because the, of them refusing to help with like the helicopters and evacuation mm-hmm. and just like sitting back and watching what goes on. The lack of coordination between FEMA, the National Guard, the Coast Guard, the government, and the flood, and also the lack of supplies. Like all of that is the villain of the of the third episode. There is a minor doctor villain, but like to the point where it really doesn't matter too much. It's just Doctor Ewan being an asshole most yeah. of the time
1: i know that the show the show is supposed to also be a movie it was given to scott rudin who has produced other movies like no country for old men and uncut gems as well as the social network so it would have been interesting to seeing it like actually produced i
0: think it would have i think it would have worked like sometimes the storyline is just too complex to get into one movie and there's a lot it's chunky but i think that yeah, you could probably whittle this down into a movie-length thing.
1: I know that the rights, like, it it kept on falling into who had the rights for it. Ryan Murphy, again, he's the one who's done American crime, and then just kept on switching. And Carlton Hughes, like, every single year was just trying to get the rights until he finally did. And then he was like, okay, great, now we can actually make the thing. Did you stick around? Because I know you said that they they did the thing where they show how they made the episode at the very end. Yes. Uh, Do you want to talk about what they were talking about there?
0: I I kind of already did. Like, when I found out that they made a 4 million gallon water tank to simulate uh, the entire flooded area, that made sense. But the hospital was so cool looking because they also made it engineered so that it would shake and stuff while Mm -hmm. you're running around inside of it. I know they mixed in visual effects as well with like actual footage. The visual effects of the levee breaking was downright scary. Because of how real the rest of the show was feeling at the time, it definitely did like make me hold my breath and be like, oh no, this, this hospital is done for. Also, it is very evocative at certain points in more subtle ways than just the CGI. For instance, in the first episode, there's a Maroon 5 song playing in the background. And then seeing people reading, like, The Da Vinci Code and Kite Runner, it was all, like, an instant reminder that this is actually pretty recent history. You don't think of that as, like, oh, Maroon 5 was playing a no. lot during that time. But they were. Like, their song, their first album or second album had just broken out. This
1: love was, like, on the radio all the
0: time. <laughs> yeah, so it was just, it was just... The people's calmness from that first 20 minutes definitely was the best, I think, uh, emotion infused moments over the ones where later on they were just being like grieving towards the world. Well, it was more subtle, is what you're saying. I guess there was still that tender kissing. There was too much kissing for hospitals. Guys, there's COVID, you know? You can't do that anymore. Well, I know that the crew
1: the crew did have to isolate for COVID. I think that shooting took place from, like, May 2021 to November 2021. And, yeah, yeah they had to, like, go into a hotel room for two weeks before they could actually start shooting this thing. Variety says the series effectively marshals tensions about events we already know watching medical professionals show up before
0: the storm. Also, they brought up the looting thing, which I remember was a big deal yes. because of how was portrayed in the media. And also they did show Dr. King approaching these kids who had broken in to get like supplies for themselves. But they were showing that they were kind of being disregarding of like who who had paid attention to it. But he was like, you're making an image for yourselves. And they were at the same time like, hey, you don't understand what's going on from our perspective. So it was an interesting social balance there. One thing that it didn't really touch upon much, but also got brought up at the time that Katrina was happening was that was the early spouts of like climate change and, and global warming, where people were like look this is exactly what it'll cause and i remember that so much because south park which recently came out with that man bear pig like revamp or whatever yeah yeah, where they showed that al gore was right and they were kind of doing an i'm sorry message for how they were portraying him to be some crazy wacko back in like the mid-2000s well what most people probably don't remember is that katrina the episode that came out like a year earlier for them actually did sort of the same exact thing it was making fun of people who were going crazy about climate change and they made it seem as if like people who had were even bringing it up were the were the evil ones or the people who were just so misguided and had misinformation and nowadays you look at the storms like i in the paper today was about this this huge california storm yeah. that's about to happen and it's just like over the last five years that's been so much. It's the, the whole entire viewpoint of oh, like, shifted. oh, people are being hysterical. To oh, this is a real issue has turned on its head, and it's just interesting how it's coming up now. And last thing, do you have any thoughts on the cast? Um, yeah. So you got Vera Farmiga, who we've seen already in Hawkeye most recently, mm-hmm. but she was she's also been in everything, Baze yeah. Motel, and uh, and then Cherry Jones, who the last time I've seen her, I know she was in Twenty Four, but she was also she played a mom in something that we did for the podcast. I just. I'm, I'm I'm not remembering what it was. Uh but Susan, she's a good character. Um I don't know where I've recognized Cornelius Smith Jr., the guy who plays Dr. Brian Yeah, King Dr. From. King was a newcomer to Memorial when Katrina hit. Uh-huh. But what like who he is and uh, who the the person yeah, playing yeah, him yeah, is. Yeah, um and then Dr. Horace, he seems just like a nice old man. Yeah, that's played by Robert Pine, who is the father of Chris Pine. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And most of these other people, it's like I've recognized them from other things, but I didn't go jump into their Wikipedia pages to find out. Okay. Except for uh Diane who I instantly recognized as the Betsy lady from, again, better call Saul. So
1: yeah, I know that the whole cast, it seems like especially the people behind the camera read the book. Sherry Fink is working as a producer for the show. And yeah, that's about all I have. Do you have anything else?
0: All right. No, just go watch it and uh, enjoy the parts that are good. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.